0: Let me invite you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to land later. We're going to spend some time in the book of Acts because we've been going through this series from the book of Acts on what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to find a place? Find a place where you say, you know what, these are my people. This is my place. This is what I believe. This is where I want to stake my life. This is where I want to stake my claim. What does it mean to find a place to belong like that? What does it mean to find that place to belong? And we've been talking about it in terms of of entering through the door of grace. We've been talking about it in terms of saying, you know what? Having entered through the door of grace, I'm not going to give up. Gary knows what I'm talking about. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trusting the Lord. Even if I stumble and fall, I'm going to ask the Lord to give me a hand, to reach me back up. I'm going to ask God to do what I can't do, and I'm still in. And so we've been talking about it in terms of grace. We've been talking about it in terms of, in terms of just saying, Lord, I'm not going to stop growing. I'm going to press in. I'm going to have a bias toward you instead of a bias toward the inertia that comes when I stumble and fall and say I can't get up. I'm going to have a bias toward you for growth. Today I want to talk about the, I, what I think is, is honestly one of the primary power tools in your arsenal to stay in with Jesus. I'm in. I'm still in. How do you do that? You surround yourself. You surround yourself with brothers and sisters who are going to be with you in the fight. You surround yourself by people who get you. People who share a common mission with you. People who believe what you believe. People who are staking staking out their place in the same place you're staking out your place. We've been talking about grace and growth and what it means to be gathered in groups. Here are some questions I want to invite you to chew on. Sharon and I were talking about this earlier. Things you chew on and just ask the Lord. Ask the Lord, God, would you just open this up to me? Would you just allow me to draw whatever strength I can from it? So so here's some ways, some places where I hope this lands for you. So, So have you ever been part of something bigger than yourself? I mean, that's the draw, right? of being part of a church family, part of a, a fellowship of believers, is to be part of something bigger than yourself. You know, part of something, part of something that doesn't, everything hinges on you. Some of you, honestly, that may, be, that may be, be a place of spiritual warfare for you because the enemy is whispered in your ear, it all depends on you. And if you blow it, it is blown. And if you stumble, everything goes down in flames. Can I tell you something? That's a lie. That's a lie. And and the enemy of your soul wants you to hold on to that, but you don't have to hold on to that, especially if you've surrounded yourself by some other people who will come alongside you and help you up. Have you ever been part of something bigger than yourself? And if you have, if you have ever been part of something bigger than yourself, you know you get a hunger for that. And if somehow it slips through your fingers and you lose it, there's just this empty place in your life until you find it again. And you will not rest until you've found it again. Maybe some of you are searching today, searching for a place to belong to something bigger than yourself. Have you ever been, have you ever found a place, have you ever been really known and understood? Have you ever been known and understood? Some I, I know people, I know people who have been struggling their whole lives with this sense that, uh, in not, not in an arrogant sort of way, but just this, this thing, this voice in their head this says, nobody really understands you. Nobody really gets you. And you feel alone in the world and you feel lonely and isolated. Has anyone, has anyone ever really known and understood you? Because can I tell you something? Jesus knows you. I know I know people, I know people. I've been, I've been this people. People who say, you know what, I'm not sure I wanna be known that well, Rusty. I'm not sure I, wanna, not sure I want people to know my heart that deeply. I'm I'm a little afraid of what people would find if they knew me at that level. Can I tell you something? Jesus knows you at that level. Jesus loves you. And and here's the thing. Having been loved by Jesus, we are uniquely qualified to love each other that way. Did you know that? Having been loved by God that way, having been loved by Jesus that way, we are uniquely qualified to love each other that way. Have you ever been known and understood? And and then here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. Have you ever been there for somebody else like that? because if you've never held yourself out don't be surprised that nobody's held themselves out for you anyhow. Anyway, so so we want to talk today about what does it mean to be gathered in groups? What does it mean to what does it mean to find a place to belong to be gathered in groups? And I want to give you some some Bible words, some Greek words uh, about the church, what it, what what it means because every time I give you Greek words like this it makes me feel wicked smart. <laughs> so, so in the New Testament in, in the Greek so, so there's, when, they, when they talk about the church, sometimes they're using the word ekklesia. And ek means out of, and kaleo means to call, and it's to call out. We are part of a, part of a, a fellowship of people who are called out from the world, called out from, from sort of the, the standard flow, right? Called out of the stream, called out, and called together. Not just called out to be alone, because sometimes you say, you know what, I've been swimming upstream all my life. I've been swimming upstream at work. I've been swimming upstream. I'm the only believer in my family of origin. I've always, been, I've always been left out. I've always been isolated. I've always been alone. But it's not just called out. It's also called together. Called together. And there's another word. And, and you know this word because it's the word synagogue. And you think of, when you think of friends of yours who maybe are Jewish, and when they gather for worship, they go to the synagogue, right? Well, that word, that word is a word of being gathered together. gathered with other people. When we get together on Sundays, we we gather with one another for the common purpose of worship, right? We gather with one another to gather around his word. We gather with one another for prayer. We gather with one another to bear one another's burdens, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We gather with one another. This is one of my favorites, koinonia. If you lived through the 70s in church life, you heard the word koinonia, right? It's a word of fellowship. It's a word, It's it's a, it became a really cliche word. I mean, I, it used to be on bumper stickers everywhere and T-shirts, koinonia. Nobody knew how to pronounce it. If you, if you were in a church and you were in a youth group, you, you know, that was probably the name of your youth group, koinonia, and they probably had it like inside of a fish or something. It, it became very cliche, but can I tell you something? This is a word of gospel partnership. When Paul says, when Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Because I remember your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That is koinonia. That is a word of gospel partnership. To me, I, it is, to me it's a golden word. It's a, it's a honey word. It's a word that flows. It's a sweet word. It's a word of embrace. It's a word of, I just, every time I think of koinonia, I see Sharon smiling because she knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's, that, it's that word of belonging. And shared mission and shared vision and being a part of something bigger, right, than yourself. Called out of the world, called into the body of Christ and finding a place to belong and be a part of. And it's a, it's a powerful thing together together. We've been thinking for a long time and I've got this kind of kingdom dream in my mind of what it looks like to live life together at different phases and places in church life and just this idea of when we we gather together in large groups like this, you know there's a freedom that comes when you're in a large group like this to worship in ways that you probably wouldn't worship if there were just a handful of you. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? That's why we that's why we get so hungry for those worship nights, when we can just when we can just throw back our heads and throw up our hands and just worship. But you need a critical mass to some degree. You need you need enough people to gather so that there's this sort of sort of wave that you can throw yourself into and just somebody somebody said one time, somebody said one time that the optimum size for a worship gathering, a gathering where you're going to celebrate God's goodness, where you're going to be inspired to be more than yourself and part of something bigger than you. The, the optimum size for that is any size where you can sing at the top of your lungs and nobody knows that you're flat. <laughs> and there's some truth in that. Some place where you can just, where you can just go all in. Where you can just throw caution to the wind and just say, God, I just want to dive in, Lord. Can I just dive in? but not everything happens best in large groups. I mean, you can get inspired and motivated, but if you, wanna, if you wanna learn, if you wanna grow, if you wanna say, you know what, I wanna understand, I wanna dig deeper, I wanna get the, I wanna get the pick and the chisel, and I just, wanna, I just wanna dig out the truth as best I can. We're well, gonna need to get into a, sort of a, a mid-sized group, and the reason I say mid-sized group is because God gives spiritual gifts in the body, and there are a limited number of people who have a gift of teaching. And if you're going to really grow, if you're going to really dig, if you're going to really go hammer and chisel at the word of God and say, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to dig deep, then you're going to need to find a place where somebody who has a gift of teaching, and, and I think you do, Zach, and, and there are others in our church family who have a real gift of teaching. People, people go to Jack's class, people go to Ken's class, and, and they say, you know what, I just—I love it, we're learning, we're growing, we're going deep. Praise God for that, Right? And you need to find somebody who's, who's got that teaching gift and they're beginning to apply God's word, you know, to your life and beginning to draw you in and say, now, here's how this works. Oh, but if you want the rubber to meet the road, if you want the rubber to meet the road, because the fact is, in those large groups, you can hide. That, and that's not all bad news, because sometimes people need to come and hide a little bit. Sometimes people need a place where they can come and just say, you know what, can I just blend in long enough to see if this is where I belong, if these are my people, if this is what I believe. Can I find a place to just, to just kind of experiment, you know, without being called out? Man, that's, but when you wanna go deeper, you need to get in that group where you can ask questions and get answers, right? But if you really wanna go life on life, if you really wanna say, I wanna build my life on you, Lord, then you need to find a couple of other people. Remember how Jesus said it? If even two or three of you gather in my name, I'll be in the midst, I'll be in the midst. So these are those, these are, this is what I mean when I talk about, if you wanna, if you wanna say, look, I'm in, and despite life's storms and hardships, you wanna say, I'm still in. If you wanna manage that well, if you, be able to, if you wanna be able to shoot those rapids, you probably don't wanna shoot those rapids alone. You probably wanna have, even if it's just a few other people, or maybe a larger group that can help sort of chart the course. Or even an even larger group of people who can just say, you know what? Can we just, can we just invite you in, into the, to kind of get lost in the midst of it? That, that's, that's what I'm talking about. When I talk about grace and growth, I'm still in. And gathering in groups. Because here's the thing, guys. I mean, I mean those, those report cards I was telling you about in the book of Acts. You know, where, where it talks about that early church and, and the way God is moving among the early church. And the gospel is spreading in that first century world. Those places where it'll say, and so God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And, and they, they kept gathering together in one another's homes and breaking bread together and praying together. And they kept, and they, they, even, even a large number of priests began to be followers of Jesus. And there's places where it'll say, a large number of prominent women became followers of Jesus. And, and it just begins to layer upon layer upon layer of the people that God draws to the church, that God draws into the fellowship, that God just begins to say, you belong here. And they may say, I don't know any of these people. We don't even speak the same language. Yeah, but you have the same Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, but you have the same Jesus. And, and so anyway, these report cards. And, and so I want to give you two of them right now. One, you've got Romans chapter 12. Hold that. But let me give you two of them. One is in, one is in Romans 16 and the other, or, or Acts 16 and one's in Romans uh, Acts 19. Let me give these to you. Acts 16, here's a report card, Acts 16, 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers. And I want to unpack that with you in a minute. In Acts chapter 19, there's another one of those report cards. And it says this. It says, "It says in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Now, I, I, just, I just Googled summary statements in the book of Acts as I was preparing for this series. Summary statements in the book of Acts. And it pops out with like seven or nine of these summary statements in the book of Acts. And if you just lift them out of context, it just says, in this way the word of the Lord grew in numbers and power. Praise God, okay. But you start digging deeper and you say, well, in what way? Through what circumstances? Having endured what storms did the word of God grow and numbers increase? What was that circumstance? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you look at the book of Acts, maybe you got my email and you already looked at Acts 13 through 19, and you see some, you see some good stuff. You see some hard stuff. But you read through the book of Acts, and you'll know that that early church, that early church, even though they saw some incredible, incredible move of God, there was some, there was some hard stuff. Let me just, I mean, there, there was jealousy. There was contradiction. There was heaped abuse. Here's what happened. Here's what happened in Acts chapter 13. It says, it says, Paul and Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Paul and his companions. There's always a Paul and, by the way, which ought to be instructive to us. There's always a Paul and, Right? Well, they, they, go, they go from place to place. They go from town to town. He preaches these incredible sermons. Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, and the people invited them to speak further about the things on the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul, followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. I mean, praise God for that. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Praise God for that. But Acts 13.45 says, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. I mean, even when God moves in good ways, in beautiful ways, in powerful ways, not everybody gets it. And some people get angry. And they were filled with jealousy, and they began to contradict what, was Paul, what Paul was saying, and they began to heap abuse on him. And, and it says in one place, they, they stirred up the crowd. They stirred up animosity in the crowd. It even says they poisoned the minds of the people against Paul and Barnabas. And, and, and it was just, it was, it was crazy. Let me give you this one, because, because this one really... I don't know. This one hits me kind of hard in Acts chapter 15, verse five, just talking about, just talking about when the guys went all the way home, when they went all the way back and they said, Hey, here's how God showed up. Here's how God showed up. God did incredible things. Gentiles, these people, the, the people you would least expect to come to know Jesus came to know Jesus. They're filled with the spirit. Repentance is beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. But people began, to say, people began to say there were some who were of the circumcision party. They began to say, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and debate with them. This is within the church. This is within the church. And it says this in, in Acts 15:5. It says, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And we could talk some other day About the specifics of that controversy. But let me tell you the part that really bothers me. The part that really bothers me about that verse. Is that within the church there were a group of people. Who considered themselves of the party of the Pharisees. Really? In the church. Because see here's here's what kills the fellowship, the koinonia of a church. Here's what kills the called out ones. Here's what kills the gathered together ones. When we begin to look at one another as us versus them. When you begin to look at people as us versus them, you begin to see some divisions. That's like It's like splitting logs. Once you split a log, you can't put it back together. And it says there were some who were of the party of the Pharisees, and I don't really care that it's Pharisees. I'm just saying to to think that there are people who would say, no, 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 no. There's us and there's them. I remember being in a church. It was Turkey Creek First Baptist Church. Actually, we might should cut that out of the video because I think that church is still alive, although if so, it's just hanging on by a thread. When I was the youth pastor there, I was the youth pastor there. They called me. I, I, I got to be youth pastor there. And the very first Sunday, my first Sunday there, the church split. It wasn't my fault. I had not been there long. It wasn't my fault. And, and so, but anyway, we managed, we managed to patch it together and hold it together for a little while. But it was weird because the people on this side of the room and the people on this side of the room, there might as well have been a gulf fixed between them. Because the people who were us... Versus the people who were them. Oh, man. It was just brutal. And there was an elephant in every room. And it did trauma to the church. But you know what it really did trauma? It did trauma. It did violence to the church's testimony in the community. If we can't get along with each other, how are we going to reach a lost world for Jesus. Jealousy, contradiction, and, and us versus them. I mean, I mean, there's hard stuff, but guys, there's good stuff too. There's good stuff. And, and it says, let me just unpack this with you a little bit. Acts 13 through, through 19, you know, I mean, the Gentiles heard this. I love the way it says it. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed God showed up. God showed up, it was beautiful, it was beautiful, and then it says, it says, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, the word of the Lord spread through, the disciples were filled with joy, and with the Holy Spirit, it was beautiful, God was doing incredible things, Uh, and and, and so then when, uh, let me just give you this, Acts chapter 15, when, when Paul and Barnabas made it all the way back, when they made it all the way back, they, they worked their way back to Antioch where they had been sent out from Italia. They sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered the church. Man, you remember when we were in COVID and we couldn't get together? You remember how miserable that was? You remember how you remember how, how much, even, even though we could do the video And praise God for that. It was at least something. But you were just, there was like a hole in your heart because you couldn't get face to face. You couldn't go hand to hand with each other, praying over each other. It says they gathered the church together and they reported all that God had done through them and how he'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They just started started telling about how God showed up. You know, isn't isn't that the beauty? When you gather together with your friends at church, And they say, how was your week? And you're able to say, you know what? Here's how God showed up in my week. And can I tell you, even though that may feel a little cheesy to you, if you set the example, if I set the example of saying, here's how God showed up in my week, maybe, just maybe, it would give your precious friend eyes to see how God showed up in their week. You could spur one another on to loving good works. They gathered the church together, and they reported all that God had done. And, and then I love this, verse 28, Acts 14, verse 28, it says, "And they stayed there a long time with the disciples." I love that. Just that sense of, of just coming together in fellowship, coming together in a sweetness, coming together and just let the, the, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace be the, be the honey, be the glue that holds us together and adds sweetness to it. They stayed there a long time because there's something, there's an idiom in all of Paul's writings where he says, where he talks about the one another's. He talks about the one another's and how we're supposed to live with one another and how we're supposed to partner with one another and how we're supposed to be gathered together with one another. And, and, and so let me just tell you, Bryce, would you go ahead and join me just so we're ready? You've got Romans chapter 12. Paul just tells us how we're supposed to one another, one another in Romans chapter 12. He begins to tell us what it looks like to live in fellowship. He begins to tell us what it looks like to live called out from the world, called together with other believers, gathered with, and he says in Romans twelve verse nine he says, "Look, love must be sincere. you ever been in a church where the love was fake? man I have in fact i 've been that guy. God help, God forgive me i 've been that guy you 've probably been that guy too, and it probably grew out of a good intention but but Lord in Jesus' name help us." For our love to be sincere. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And he says, be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor. One another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor as you serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope and patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. The good parts, the hard parts, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Make room for one another. Make room for one another to get well. Make room for one another. You realize that the word hospitality, that's where we get the word hospital. You make room for people to get well. You create space. You give time for people to get strong again, right? Live in hospitality with one another. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, sharing with the Lord's people who are in need. Bless those who persecute you. In the church? Yeah. Yeah, even in the church. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite part about being connected together. You say, well, Rusty, I get the rejoicing part, but the mourning with those who mourn, can I tell you something? I'm really good at funerals. And the reason I'm really good at funerals is because... um, I have a, I think, I have a pretty keen sense of the high value of life and the even higher value of eternity. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. In other words, bring to the table what is yours to bring to the table and allow the other people around you to bring to the table what is theirs to bring to the table. And together, you make beautiful music. You make beautiful music. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Don't be proud. I've been proud. I'm embarrassed by it. I'm ashamed by it. I've been conceited. He says, don't be proud. Don't be conceited. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, Sharon and I were talking about this this morning, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, you take the initiative to make peace. You take the initiative to live well. You ever had anybody owe you an apology? You've got a family, right? You ever become aware of a circumstance where somebody owes you an apology? And you say to yourself, you know what? The ball's in their court. They owe me an apology. What can I say? You may even be willing, you may be ready to receive their apology. All they gotta do is say it. All they gotta do is say it. But they gotta say it. May I offer you something? In as much as it's possible, in as much as it depends on you, if you're aware of the rift in the relationship, maybe you need to be the grown-up. I, mean, I mean, maybe you need to pick up the phone and say, hey, you know that apology you owe me? No, I'm kidding. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what words God will give you to use, but maybe it's a, maybe it's a prayer point for you. Maybe it's a prayer point to say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I'm aware of this breakdown in this relationship with somebody that I love. Somebody that loves me. At least they used to. I think they still do. But there's this thing that has come between us and it breaks my heart. And I don't know how to fix it, Lord. In Jesus' name, would you, would you somehow allow me the words to say? Would you somehow allow me? Would you show me a path forward into the life of somebody I love? Because God, I don't want to live this way. And then as much as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Not taking revenge, dear friends, but leaving room for God. Just leave room for God. Can I pray that over you? Can I pray that over you as I remind you of these questions? Have you ever been part of something bigger than yourself? Because if you have, you know it's worth more than your pride. It's worth more than your hurt feelings. It's bigger than you. And it's bigger than the breakdown. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, maybe maybe a, a good word, Lord, would be to say, would you get big in our minds right now? Would you get big in our hearts? Would you get bigger than the broken relationships? Would you get bigger than the hurt feelings? Would you get bigger than the pride or the conceit or whatever it is that keeps us from each other? Lord, would you get bigger than... Would you get bigger than? You ever ever been truly understood? You ever been truly known? Because if you have, I know you're hungry for it now. Because if you're not experiencing that, man, there's nothing more lonely, there's nothing more isolating than the voice of the enemy that says, nobody gets me. Nobody gets me. And then you're just, you're a sitting duck for the enemy of your soul to pick you off. Have you ever been that for somebody else? Maybe the invitation today, maybe, maybe you want to grab one of these cards from Jason or Jack or me and say, you know what, Rusty, this is what I believe and, and these are my people and this is where I belong and I want to join the church. But maybe you already did that And maybe the invitation for you today is to find a place at the altar and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've built my life on instead of you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I've allowed the the relationships that you offered to me to be broken down. God, I'm sorry. Maybe there's somebody you love so desperately and you want to find a place at this altar to just intercede for them. Would you stand together? Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, that you would become, that you would become the treasured possession that we long for. Lord, that to build our lives on you would be the thing that we long for most of all. Lord, that you would, that you would so welcome us, Lord, that you would restore us, Lord, that you would heal us and you would cleanse us, Lord, and you would allow us the ministry of reconciliation to the people we love.